Welcome to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. I'm your host, Tim Reed. And once again, I'm so excited to be here today. Welcome to another episode of the Firetime Podcast. Now, this season is coming to an end. This episode is actually the second to last episode of season five of the podcast. And it is crazy to think about how much ground we've covered. I'm really proud of what we've been able to accomplish this season. And I hope that it has made you take a look inside at your own practices, at, at kind of the why behind your leadership and, and, and even you know the reason that you're in business. I think that as, as we see leaders in this industry rising up, as, as there's kind of a, a changing of the guard happening, I think that really working on ourselves first and allowing the overflow of that to impact the, the team members that work with us and for us and then ultimately our customers is really powerful. And it's been really cool to be hearing from you guys about the different things that you're putting in place to move the needle. It's really cool. Now, we always end each season of the podcast with a question and answer episode, and this season is no different. So you've got just a little bit of time left to submit these questions. I always try to record the Q&A episodes basically right before they air to make sure that we can take care of everybody's questions and be as relevant as possible. So you still have a little bit more time. And if you have a question from this season of the podcast or, or really anything that the podcast has brought to mind, you can send me an email. And my email address is tim at itsfiretime.com. That's tim at itsfiretime.com. If you send me some questions, we will do our absolute best to answer them in the next episode. And after that, we're going to take a break for a few months. There's a ton going on, as you've been hearing on the podcast, the Firetime Magazine. We've launched our prototype issue. We've got our monthly publications starting in March, and we're actually going to pair season five of the podcast launching in March as well. And normally in the past, we've done a live episode at the HPB Expo, but since Expo got moved to June, we're still launching the podcast in March, but it's going to be with normal episodes instead of a live episode at the show. And then in June, we'll do a live episode at that point. So thinking about the conversation today and and getting ready for it, I was really excited to talk to Colleen. She's somebody that, as you'll hear, has a, a huge pedigree in the industry. Almost all of her family is in it. And she occupies a really unique space because not only did she follow in her father's footsteps joining into the industry and actually working for him, but she actually took over his job. And we have a really cool conversation just about what it's like to walk that path and how to handle relationships when they go from personal to professional, right? Because there's people that she's known her whole lives that were her dad's customers that are now her customers. How do you how do you get respect when people just view you as a kid, when your parents are still in the industry, what happens when customers call them instead of just calling you? This is something that I, I know there's a lot of people that deal with, and I think that this conversation is really going to help you get some insight. So I'm going to step out of the way, and I'm excited for you to hear this conversation. As always, we'll circle back at the end and talk about it. Joining me from Pullman, Washington is a sales rep for Travis Industries. I'm joined by Colleen Kittridge. How are you doing, Colleen? I'm doing great, Tim. How are you? You know, I'm doing really good. I've been excited about this conversation for a little while. I think there's going to be a lot of things to talk about that we can that we can dive into here. So 
here's the first thing. You're somebody that is young and, and up and coming in the industry. You're, you're, you've taken over an amazing territory that's been a really strong presence for Travis Industries for years and years in the Pacific Northwest. But you're somebody who has grown up in the industry, literally. And, and I'd love to hear you talk about kind of your experience growing up in the industry and, and what that's been like to, to set you off on your own career now. Well, it was always something that I kind of paid attention to growing up. I mean, when I was a little kid, Monroe Fireplace, Bob Martin and C. Martin were their owners at that time, and they had a little kid's playpen. And so they actually used to, my dad would bring us in when he'd go visit Monroe Fireplace, and we would play around with the T-Rex that we brought in and that sort of thing. <laughs> and they actually still to this day use that as their mascot, which is pretty fun. <laughs> no way. That was you that was behind their T-Rex? Yep. And there is still a Lego guy stuck in the tail because of us. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's funny. So that sort of thing was always fun. And then going to the fairs, we would always go visit dad and use it as an excuse to go to the fairs, whether it was the Puyallup Fair or Monroe Fair or any of the other ones that used to be running now that they're not all going on anymore. But yeah, it was definitely uh, fun to grow up around the industry and kind of see the types of things that my dad got to do and see how many different things he got to do. And I think that was a big aspect for me, even after I went to college going through, Hey, I really like being able to do a lot of different stuff at once. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny. I was, I was thinking about this, that this is actually a second on the podcast where we have had the daughter of a previous guest on, on the show. So earlier, a couple of seasons ago, we had Elise Rethlick, who's Tim Rethlick's daughter who works at HHT. And now we have you on the show. Your dad is, is Kip Rimmons for anyone that didn't know that he, he was on in one of our first episodes, just talking about what it, what it takes to be a great salesperson. And, and Kip's somebody that I've looked up to for a number of years that has invested tremendously in me. And, and I imagine that it, it's interesting for you that, that you have not only gone into the industry, but you have literally taken your dad's old job, which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a lot to live up to for sure. Um, because he was known for being so, so good at what he did. And it was really fun even getting to work with him for a few years, you know, working on the team with him and Edward and now kind of filling in that role. And then Shelby and I now are helping Edward try and cover the territory the same way that my dad and Edward and Jerry even all used to do together. So it's it's kind of fun to join in and be that second generation. And, yeah, of course, interacting with the dealers who know me since before I was born, really, since he's been doing it that long. That's always fun, too. Yeah, that's great. I, I want to talk about your relationship with Shelby in a little bit. I think that's really cool. But so, so for you, your, your dad was a sales rep for for Travis, and, and really, he, I mean, he was a part of building the company, right? I mean, he he's Kurt's brother, and and literally, I mean, like they built this thing in a lot of ways together. How how was it that you decided you wanted to get in it after going away to college and and kind of seeking your own path for a while? Well, a big thing that I did was I got a summer internship at a bank, and I went through nine weeks or no, it was 12 long weeks of sitting at a desk and being told, yep, you're here from eight to five. And if you're done for the day, you get to sit around and look like you're working. <laughs> that was what they would actually tell me to do. And so it just seemed it was a waste of their time and money. And it was a waste of my time. And it just didn't seem like it was an effective way to get things done. And I've always liked the freedom aspect of my dad's job. Yeah. Just because you work when you need to work some weeks during the fair you are gone seven days a week and you are working first thing in the morning till eight, nine o'clock at night, depending on how the fair goes. Yeah. It just depends on the time of year versus in May 
we get to take a week or two off and kind of disappear for a little while and go on vacation. That works really well for me. I like the being on sometimes and being able to be off other times because, you know, it kind of makes it easier to work around your life schedule too. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's terrific. One, one thing I think about a lot and, and I haven't experienced this because, you know, I, I got in the, into the industry at, at 18 and I, I didn't have any, any, you know, blood family that was in it. But I, I think about people like you and, and even my wife who her, her dad was a, was a dealer that, you know, that, that knew your dad for years and years and years. And so what, what's it been like having these relationships move from personal to professional, right? So you mentioned Monroe Fireplaces and you grew up as a kid going there. And now you work with them professionally. I've, I've talked to other people like Grant Falco deals with this too, you know, being the son of Louis Falco, who's got a pedigree in the industry. What, what's that been like turning these personal relationships into, into, into professional ones? It's been an interesting balance, you know, cause it's not, you don't want to turn it into a completely professional relationship either because we, you know, the way we work with our dealers is you make a friend. So it's going from not just being Kip's daughter, but rather to being their rep and then now working into the personal relationships because it's this fun balance of I want to be professional, but we also like talking about our lives and I want to get to know what they're doing and how their kids are and all that sort of thing too. So it's been a challenge at times, especially depending on how well I knew the dealer and how well they knew my family growing up for sure. But it's definitely something that just takes time. Yeah. Uh, Seth Godin talks about this. I, I was reading a, a book of his recently. It was called The Dip, and it's a, it's a tremendous book. But he gives an example of when you're, when you're in a situation where, where people have already penciled you in as a certain kind of person or a certain kind of worker, it is extremely difficult to get those people to ever change their perception of you. It's like, it can be very limiting to your, to your career. And he doesn't necessarily talk about it in the aspect of family business, but, but I, I, I do imagine, because I, I know people that, that deal with this, is, is that it can be easy to be perceived as you know Kip's kid or as so-and-so's kid. Is, has it been tough to kind of break free of that and, and, and really get people to see you for who you are and what you bring to the table? It has to a point, especially, of course, right away. And I had to give my dad such a hard time at first when he'd introduce me to new people. He would just say, oh, yeah, this is my daughter, <laughs> not this is Colleen, you know. <laughs> He's like, I can't just call you Colleen. You're my daughter. And then I started calling him Kip and it drives him crazy. So that sort of thing has been just little things like that have kind of slowly moved, kind of made a little bit of a difference here and there. But then really, once I was able to learn some of the more technical knowledge and some of the actual product knowledge and that sort of thing, that type of stuff kind of helps you differentiate yourself from just being someone's kid to an industry professional that's related to someone else in the industry. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Well, I I, want to talk a lot about this dynamic of family business because you've got a really unique perspective because not only was your dad in the business, but but he had like a, a really specific you know role and, and legacy, and you stepped in directly to to take over his sales territory. I mean, I guess you share it with Shelby and with Edward, but but you're stepping directly into his role, and not only that, but you know we mentioned Shelby, he's your cousin whose dad started Travis Industries and still runs it, and and I swear like all of your uncles and relatives have some affiliation to the industry. What is that like? I just imagine like. What is Thanksgiving dinner like in your family? (laughs) Oh, man. Well, on a normal year, (laughs) it usually starts out with a lot of the uh, family shenanigans that happened when they were all younger. And then it kind of goes into work talk because I think 
if I counted my head, there's four of the eight that actually work for the factory wow. out of the original Rumens family. And then I have several uncles there as well. So, you know, you can't get away from the stove industry in the slightest. And now, you know, you've got Shelby, you've got Cheyenne, you've got myself all kind of branching out. And even my brother now is installing stoves. So it, it's just kind of turned into this giant family tree of stove people. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, so with that, you know, obviously, you know, there, there, you have not had a problem working with family. And I think one of the things that, that people talk about in business sometimes is like never get into business with your family. I mean, I've heard that all the time. And uh, I was up at the the Travis Industries plant maybe, I don't know, a year ago or so. And, and one of my favorite things there is like they've got this giant sign that says, it's not business, it's personal. And, and I think that that's amazing that like the business is personal and, and, you, and, and you, you, can't, you can't separate that from it. I'd love to hear you talk about how has it been possible to work with family members and not have a blow up in your face? You know, it just depends on your relationship with your family. I've always been super, super close with my dad. Even before we worked together, we did lots of stuff together. We'd be able to have great conversations. So moving into working together, yes, there were some conflicts, which is inevitable because all of a sudden my dad is my boss. But, you know, that makes it kind of a unique situation. But it's definitely just the way that our family has always kind of worked. We've always been able to be flexible enough with each other and be understanding and use the family relationship to an advantage rather than getting upset and, you know, potentially having tons and tons of conflict and blowing up at each other and people getting sensitive because my dad and I are more or less known for not being very sensitive people. So. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I think it's it's really cool. One thing for me that I found in, in my journey in business is like, I wouldn't necessarily work with all of my friends and all of my family, but I would work with many of them. And like, as I've started to, you know, to branch out and start my own businesses now, a lot of the people that I go to as like the first hires are family members and, and good friends that I've had for 10, 15 years, because I, I know who they are. I trust them. I, I know that they're for me. I know that they can handle me making mistakes and learning from it. And, and to me, like, that's a huge win because you know what you're going to get versus just a resume that it's easy to pad and, you know, you, you could go through like all this time and effort just for somebody to not work out. So I, I personally think that as long as you have some self-awareness to understand from the get-go, like what kind of relationship do I have with this person? Do I really know what they would be like to work with? And, and that's just, you know, general hiring smarts 101. I think as long as you have that, I'm not opposed at all to going into business with with friends or family. I think that it actually sets up like a really rich and rewarding relationship. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with you. I mean, it, it just comes to personality and there's some personalities that you know you can work with and there's some that you can't, you know, I probably would never be able to work with my husband. <laughs> we just have different personalities and we, I think we would both say the same thing, but my dad and I have always been very, very similar. So, you know, it just kind of makes it work. And then even adding in Shelby and, working with Edward, who's pretty much family, you know, certain personalities jive together and then some, some personalities just don't. Yeah. Well, and, and I always go back to back in season one, that episode that we did with Kip and Edward about being, becoming a, just a better salesperson. Those, those are two guys that really invested in me, in me deeply. I, I talk a lot about like what has formed me as a salesperson. But I remember, I mean, 10 years back, 
working in, in Portland, Oregon and having Kip and Edward come in and they would spend hours with me working on sales process and tactics. And I'm sure it's super rewarding for, for Kip to see his daughter following in his footsteps. Where, where I want to go next though is, you know, our, our industry to put it lightly, um, is abrasive to change. And there are just many businesses that, that, are not operating, you know, with like electronics, with with process, with systems. There, there's a lot of the wild west out there in our industry. You know, you're formally educated. You've got a college degree, and so you you have a perspective that a lot of people in our industry don't. Coming into it now as as somebody who's younger, but but did step away for a little bit to go and get this degree. What kinds of things are you trying to bring to the table, both to help your own business and also to help the companies that that you work with? Yeah, I think there's a couple really, really important factors. Technology, of course, you know, I'm a millennial. Of course, I'm going to say technology. (laughs) I get that all the time. But a little bit deeper than that, even the use of making sure you know where your dollars are spent and actually understanding how basic statements work and how profit and loss works and how your return on investment works when you're spending advertising dollars on television versus TV versus newspaper And that sort of thing is stuff that I don't think our dealers ever really track or any dealers in the industry, not just our dealers, I should say. And I think it's just something of being more aware of your business, because if you don't measure anything, you don't know if you're succeeding or not. You know, that's there's an old phrase for a reason. Yeah. And then also the lack of social media usage. I mean, it's the cheapest, easiest, simplest form of advertising. And I would Yes, very, very few people in our industry are actually using it effectively. Yeah, it's funny you bring that up. Um, I wasn't thinking that we'd go this direction in in the conversation, but man, you opened it up, and I want I want to head here. So, thinking about like a sales rep being able to come in and actually help a business with this, I think that there's a lot of companies that are kind of afraid, right? Like, I don't know how to do social media. I've I've just spent money on TV in the past, and I don't know if it works or if it doesn't work. But I seem to get customers, so we we keep spending the money. I think that you shining a light on that and actually asking like, well, you know, are you getting a return on that investment? You know, you spent however much money, you know, 30000 or $50,000 on TV for this, this winter. What did you get from it? I, I think that that's something that, that a lot of dealers need to take advantage of. Like if you have sales reps that want to work with you on this stuff, it's like free consulting. And, and, and I think that it's, it's a huge resource. So I, I love that you brought up return on investment and profit and loss. What, what, do, you, what do you feel like you observe in general in our industry, like, like you were saying that, you know, a lot of companies don't necessarily track their spends and have a hard time keeping up. What do you think needs to be tightened up in light of like best business practices now? I would start with making sure people get a basic accounting software kind of program. You know, there's all sorts of programs out there reaching out to other parts dealers all across the country. If you're not sure what to use, I've had dealers call me and say, Hey, what are your other dealers use? What do they like? Because my feedback means nothing. But if other dealers are liking it and it works for their business and it works for the service side and it works for their calendar, I mean, there's apps now that can track every second of where your service van is and they can have the customer pay while you're there. And then you know exactly what parts they used off the van by the time they're back to the store. And that can help dealers keep track of inventory and all sorts of different stuff. And there's just so many tools for a relatively low price that would probably save you big time in the long run. 
I'm, I'm totally with you. Yeah. I mean, I think that taking advantage of software like that, where you can have installers clock in and clock out of jobs in real time. And, and that actually starts to allow you to figure out like how much margin do we make on installations, right? Like it allows you to start standardizing your pricing. Well, a gas insert with no gas line, here's 50 of them. Here's the average amount of time that it takes, right? Like when, when we run gas line that's between 20 and 40 feet through a crawl space, this is how much time it takes and how many materials that we use. I think that there are huge advantages that that companies can have if they're willing to invest in that stuff. We'll get back to our conversation with Colleen Kittredge in just one second. Hey, if you've been listening to the podcast for the last few weeks, you have heard me talking about the Firetime magazine. And, And guys, this is something that we are so excited about. Now, I think a bomb was dropped in our industry when Hearth and Home closed their doors. No one was ready for it. But the truth is, we'd actually been planning for a while to do some kind of a publication, and we had most of the model drawn up. And when we got word about Hearth and Home, we just felt like this is the time. So if you want to stay up to date on what's going on in the industry and read articles from retailers, manufacturers, distributors, sales reps, all the above on the best practices to grow your business and really have an understanding of where the market is and where it's going, you need to start reading the Firetime magazine. Now, here's how you can get your hands on it for absolutely free. Go to the website, itsfiretime.com slash subscribe and enter your email address and we'll make sure to send you every single issue at no charge. Now, if you're on a smartphone or a tablet, you can actually download the app. If you go to itsfiretime.com slash app, you'll see a link where you can download either the Apple or the Android app and every issue is going to be sent there as well. We can't wait to see how this magazine picks up on the momentum of the podcast and helps you grow your business. We've got a number of contributors from all across North America, all of whom are in the trenches just like you. They know this industry, they understand it, and they can't wait to share the best practices. So make sure to check out the Firetime magazine by subscribing today at the website, itsfiretime.com slash subscribe. One thing I think about too and I, I'd love to hear you talk about this as a millennial. I think, you know, there's there's plenty of baggage that the millennials bring to the table. I, I say this as a millennial. But I, I do think that one thing that's becoming more and more apparent with millennials is that millennials want things communicated. And I think that I think that EQ is something that has been like vastly undervalued in our industry. The ability to have some self-awareness of understanding, how am I communicating? Am I speaking with you in a respectful way? Am I being clear with what I say, right? Like that's not IQ stuff, that's that's EQ. I think that millennials are very sensitive to understanding how EQ works and 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 basically like that it's a different skill set than what's been traditionally taught. I, I'd love to hear you talk about that. Does that resonate at all with with kind of you coming into this this uh, kind of like older industry? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, yes, sure. You've got the people that want to talk the basics of a wood stove and how you vent the wood stove and how small you're going to chop your wood. And then you've got people who are really willing to take a whole look at the big picture. And we've really started seeing that, like as stores have transitioned or they get younger people and younger crews. When the younger average age of a crew in a store is closer to even 30s, 40s, 50s, because those can be young stores nowadays, we definitely see things operate differently. Things go more smoothly and customers wind up a little bit happier because you're not just there to talk the basic facts because so many people in our industry are focused on, okay, well, here's the BTUs. 
and this is the size and this is how you're going to vent it. And that's a big part of it, but that's not the only part. I mean, when I talk stoves, I don't even sell BTUs at all. I try to avoid that entirely because it's one of my least favorite phrases of our industry. Yeah, totally. We love our lingo. Yep. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think about this, like there's someone I know that I dearly love and, and I have just this vivid memory of him standing like six inches away from a customer's face saying, I don't care what you want. I'm going to tell you what you can get. And, and this person was trying to be gracious. Like they was, they were trying to say like, you know, this won't work in your situation. I'm going to show you something that will, but there was not a level of emotional intelligence to where that self-awareness of, wait, how am I coming across? Like, just because I'm spitting out the facts, like it's not an effective way to reach this person. I think that that's something that, that, that you and, and people like you are really bringing to the table that our industry for whatever reason has just had a really hard time adapting to. Yeah. It's just a matter of, instead of telling someone what they need, guiding them to what we already know they need. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Okay, here's where I want to go next. I, w- I want to talk to you about flexibility. So you mentioned earlier in the conversation that one of the things that you didn't like about the bank job, and I, I can only imagine what it would be like working at, at a bank. <laughs> I'm so thankful that I don't have to do that. But, you know, so you're at this bank job and and they say, well, if you're done with your work, look busy in front of your computer and just kind of zone out for a couple hours. Like, oh my gosh, like you talk about like what a waste of resources to do that, right? Versus the the flexibility of, you know, being a sales rep where it's like, hey, like I'm going to work really hard, but I, I can set some boundaries of like during this time of the year, I, I can take time off and I don't have to be like pretending to work to just appease my boss. Flexibility seems like a huge deal to you. And I, I'd love to hear you talk about that more. Yeah. You know, I mean, like I said, I grew up watching it. If it was one of me or my siblings birthdays, my dad took work off and that was how even them is. And that's, what's important for us having a team too. You know, Edward, my dad always had the deal when it comes to kids, you take your kids first, kids are priority. And so that sort of thing was always really appealing because if I've got something really important going on, I know I've got teammates to watch my back and I know that we can make sure everybody's taken care of. And more importantly, the people that I work with and my dealers that I work with say, yeah, do what you got to do. If we don't see you one week and we see you the next week, that's fine. So just the ability to be able to make my own schedule and work the way I want to work. And, you know, I don't have to limit my driving time. I can get home at 10 or 11 o'clock at night. And if I wanted to drive instead of staying in a hotel, I can do that. I don't have to worry about somebody else telling me what to do other than Yep. It's time to go see those dealers again. That's about it. <laughs> yeah. I think that's big. And and I'm trying to contextualize this too for retailers that are listening. Cause I think that when I came into the industry about 15 years ago, um, it was very rigid. And when you run a retail store, there there are certain guidelines that, that, that are rigid, right? Like the business is open from whatever, like 9am to 6pm on these days. And so like, well, okay, obviously, yes, someone's got to be there on those days. But I think that, that in light of technology now, there's so much flexibility that we can give our team members. And, and I would argue that if you can give team members, especially if they're under 40 years old, if you can give them flexibility, that's better than a, than a pay raise. And so 
you know, what, what technology can allow us to do is like, you know, if, if you have a, someone on, on your sales floor that, that uses a CRM system, a customer relationship management system to keep track of, of all their opportunities and say they have a list of like 200 customers from the last few months that they've been working with, you know, how important would it be to be able to give them one day a week where they don't have to come into the office, they can work from home and they can just work their pipeline of calling back their customers, of following through. Cause I mean, you can send an email to take a deposit and everything else, but that didn't exist you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, it, it, you had to be at the office to do that stuff. But I think that technology can actually allow us a lot of flexibility for our team members. It doesn't mean that like everybody just gets to do whatever they want, whenever they want. But I think that the more flexibility you can offer, I think that that will give you loyalty like crazy in return. Yeah, that's definitely something that we see. I mean, and that's a big part of having a crucial team. Because a team functions well when everybody's there, but a great team functions when one or two people need to take a little time off or they can't be there. Hmm. And I mean, it, business owners, some of our dealers, the owners need to make sure that they have a good enough team so that they can take time off. It's important to make sure that everybody has the opportunity to have a little bit of flexibility because you're right. Money only matters to a certain point for sure. And then it's about other perks and the other parts of a job that make you happy. Yeah. I, I was doing a, a presentation a while back about like kind of re- like retaining team members and stuff. And there was this super interesting study that I think it was time magazine did. And basically they, they came out with a, with a dollar amount and they said that money matters until you get to this dollar amount. And after that, it actually doesn't matter that much because people are after a quality of life. And like, once you have enough money that you can pay your bills and save a little bit more for most people, not all people, but for most people, money doesn't motivate the same way that it did to get you up to that point. And I think that, yeah, like what, what you're bringing to the table for your dealers. And I think what, what a lot of millennials are is the fact that we don't have to be entrenched in the same rigidity that had existed for years and years and years. Not that that was bad, but there are some new ways of doing things that are just better for everybody. Oh, absolutely. And some people really like that rigidity. So I think taking it as an individual situation is also really important because some people might want that eight to five. Sure. Some people might want to know exactly what their schedule is two months in advance, but some people are different. So it's just making sure you have that conversation with employees and make sure everybody gets figured out, gets what they need. Yeah. And that's awesome. Okay. So I'd, I'd love to go here. I want to ask you as, as someone who's grown up in the industry and, and I mean, you still work with Edward and, and you're very close with the people at Travis. What do you see out of the older generation that you appreciate the most that you think is one of the one of the biggest takeaways that you've been able to put into practice? As Edward says, the tribal knowledge, that's by far there are things that people like me and even you who's been in it for a lot longer than I have and Shelby and Cheyenne and all the people of the younger generation. We haven't seen every single problem that they all saw in 1985 and in 1992 and all that stuff that they've got just in their brain. So that's a huge factor for just the absolute value that they still have. And then you still got people like Kurt and Kip, who not only do they have the practical knowledge, but they have these crazy ideas that are just impressive. And so to watch that sort of thing too is amazing. You know, I think about that a lot. Like I, I was joking earlier about what's Thanksgiving dinner like, but I just, I just imagine like, like your family, you know, at Thanksgiving dinner and Kurt's like, dreaming on a napkin about a new fireplace and Kip is like brainstorming how I'm going to sell it. And like all the aunts and uncles are, you know, it's just, it's funny to think about, but I think that one of the things I've appreciated about the, the older generation is that they really paved the way. I mean, this industry, it really didn't exist much more than, 
you know, 40 years ago. And so a, a lot of what's been built has been done in one generation. I, mean, I know that, you know, there were companies that existed before that, but but our industry is, is still very, very young. And I would say it's far from mature. Like we are, oh, yeah. you know, we, we, we talk about on the podcast a lot, like I could go in my neighborhood and ask 10 people what a gas insert was and no one would know. You know, it's not like tennis shoes where I'm like, do you know what tennis shoes are? Like that's a saturated market. We, we are not in a saturated market and it's still in its infancy. And I, I think that we have a tremendous debt to the, the blood, sweat and tears or, you know, blood, sweat and steel in the case of Travis of the people that have actually laid the groundwork to make this happen. Oh, absolutely. I mean, talking about my dad again, he literally was the first rep for Travis Industries in the Northwest. And he started with just Washington and he was fighting against Perry Rains, you know, <laughs> <laughs> back in the day when Perry was selling Quadrifier. And then he was fighting with Jerry for Avalon. And, you know, he, he paved the way for the territory as it is. And there's plenty of other people out there like him that did similar things in different parts of the country. So it's just kind of amazing to see what we have now compared to what they fought for. Yeah, and and you know, actually, this is funny for me. Uh, this is where as we're kind of coming full circle to talking about technology and young people. One thing that I've appreciated a lot from older folks that I look to as mentors is a lot of them live lives that are simpler than mine in a better way. And like one of the one of the missions that I've been on in my own life is to try and actually eliminate busyness. Like I don't want to be known as a as a busy person. And and to do that, like I've actually simplified. Like I, I actually I pulled email off my phone about a year and a half ago, and it's literally the best decision I've ever made. There's other like precautions and things that I've taken that, to to simplify my life. Now I still use tons of apps, like tons of digital technology, but I think that I think that what's what's awesome is to be able to look at like well, what's worked for people who are older and wiser that have kind of been down this path further than me. And then how can I supplement that with like digital tools that are helpful? And I think that there's like a, there's a meshing there of analog and digital that is a, a real sweet spot. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, there's definitely still value to taking time away from the screen and doing things other ways without using technology. Um, I would absolutely agree with you there. Yeah, totally. Totally. So as we round out, I'd, l- I'd love to know, do you feel pressure to live up to the legacy that's been set with your family? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you can't try and fill the shoes of one of probably the best reps through the stove industry's history. At least, you know, I got to give them that credit. But yeah, it's those are some big shoes to fill. Oh, I'd agree. Yeah. No question. Those are absolutely big shoes to fill. And it's a matter of doing the job well, not the same as he did, but also trying to do the job just as well as he did. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, hey, this has been a really fun conversation. I, I think it's so cool that you're following in your dad's footsteps. And I, I just, I know that, you know, there's a, our industry is at a turning point where I think, I think in the next, in the next 10 years, we're going to see a, a huge turnover of, of people exiting out and younger folks coming in. It's cool to have leaders like you that are out paving the way. So thanks for being here, Colleen. Yeah, of course. And then I did also want to say you guys did a fantastic job on your uh, Firetime magazine. Oh, thank you. I read you. that one and I just wanted to say it's been great. So <laughs> oh, that's you guys awesome. did an awesome job there. Adam, Adding the technology to the industry. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to. You know, um, we're super excited for that. And I, I probably shouldn't spill the beans on the podcast, but I'm gonna since you took me there. <laughs> Print is not dead, and and we have a really specific idea in mind of what it's going to look like, and we cannot wait to show the industry soon. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you, I'm glad that you like that. You know, we want voices like yours to be a part of that that are that are helping this thing move forward. Yeah, I'm excited to keep following it. So great job. Cool. Well, thanks for being on the podcast. We appreciate it. Of course, it's great talking to you. 
Well, I hope you guys got as much value out of that conversation with Colleen as I did. It was great getting to talk to her. And I think that there's a lot that you can take away from this. You know, she, she affirmed so much in the fact that, you know, our industry is really unique, right? She got a degree. She thought she was going to be going into a, a different industry. She got that job in banking and it wasn't for her, right? I mean, one of the, the beautiful things about this industry is is I found it, it's kind of an amazing place for people who didn't really have a path. We, we joke around that no one sets out to get into this industry, but man, once you're in it, like you're in it and there's you know not a lot of people that have serious traction in, in this industry that, that get out because there's something about it. One of my friends, Andy Todd, who's a legendary sales rep out of the Pacific Northwest, a while back told me that the hearth industry is the last frontier of the sole proprietor. And I, I think there's a lot of truth to that. We're in a really unique space where we sell a high value, high touch product that is very specific. It's not really known about. It's not purchased very often. And there's a huge risk factor to it. And as we've talked about in this podcast, it's complicated to sell, you know, how do you, how do you deal with pricing online? How do you get people estimates quickly? Things change so much. What about installation? What if someone sues you? All that stuff protects our industry. And it's really cool that that Colleen found that, that, that she at first was pursuing a different path. And then like so many of us, you know, she's sitting there looking at the nine to five being like, man, what am I doing here? I could, I could, I could be out making a difference and and working in in, an industry it's actually fun. So it's really cool to hear about that. You know, next up on, on the family business side, I just think about like, you know, not only did she start out working for her dad, but then she ended up taking over his job. And so she's working with customers that have known her since she was in diapers. You know, how do you get people to respect you when you have been the kid your entire life? I mean, this is something that everybody deals with, right? I mean, I mean, I deal with this as I as I go now and, and, and work with companies on consulting and marketing and different things like that, right? It's easy to be perceived as, you know, that kid. And it always reminds me of that, that Bible verse where the Apostle Paul says to Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but instead set an example in faith and in love and in purity. But, and the point being that if you're listening to this and you're younger and you're viewed that way, you know, don't let that get you down. The truth is that you have something to offer. It doesn't mean you get, you can be arrogant and it doesn't mean that you shouldn't listen to and respect and take note of people who are older and wiser than you. But just because you're young, you do bring something to the table and do not let anyone tell you otherwise. I thought it was awesome that we got to cover that. And I know that the things that she deals with are things that are very common to the rest of the industry. You know, finally, working with family. For me personally, I, I feel like as, as long as I have the expectation going in of, of this is what I need, this is what I want, and this is how we're going to be able to make this work well, I don't really have a problem with it as, as long as you know the family member well or the friend that you're going to be, you're going to be hiring. Uh, there's a lot of people that say, you know, I, I don't want to work with family, and, and I totally understand the difficulty and, and the complexity that that creates, but I do believe that there is is a way to navigate it. And I mean, you've heard us talk all the time on this podcast about the dynamics of family business with different people. And while there are complications to it, there's also a beauty when, when you see families that have made it through the trenches and, and that have fought these battles together. They're, they're bonded and, and, and closer than a lot of other families. It's really cool to see. So we covered a lot. And like I said, at the front end of this episode, if you have any questions 
Next week's episode, which is the final episode of this season of the podcast, is going to be a Q&A episode. So there's still a little bit of time to get those questions in. You can send me an email, and my email address is tim at itsfiretime.com. These questions can have to do with your showroom, with marketing, with sales, with with whatever you have heard on this podcast and, and has been brought to mind. Feel free to write in and ask about it. We will do our absolute best to address it next week. Now, if this podcast has been a blessing for you and you want to support it financially, you can do that by going to the website patreon.com slash it's fire time. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash it's fire time. And you can you can support this in whatever way you want. We appreciate every penny and those contributions are being used to outsource the administrative costs of this podcast so that we can continue to deliver the best content possible. So, you know, I know that we're in the heart of the season. Stuff is crazy. Products are back ordered. Customers want it now. But just remember that you are doing work that matters. You're laying groundwork that can change the entire way that your business is run. It's hard to see that when you're in the middle of the storm, but it doesn't change the fact that that's happening. So I hope that this podcast gives you inspiration to keep moving forward. And we don't take lightly the fact that so many of you listen to it and and that you're applying it in your business. So I hope you guys have an amazing rest of the week. I can't wait to be back next week with our Q&A episode. As always, go out and be a blessing. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. To learn more, visit the website itsfiretime.com. Music from this episode was written and recorded by In Bloom out of Portland, Oregon. We thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. We'll see you next time.